Amen. God is good, isn't he? Amen. Well, thanks again for joining us here at the Gateway Church. And uh, I know we have some guests with us, and it's a great morning to be here uh, because we're going to launch into a new series today for the next few weeks, and, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, I just want to take a quick poll before we do. How many of you look forward to the fall um, because your life gets back to normal? Like the summer's crazy and the fall is, is like normal. Okay, only one. All right. How many would say that the summer is more crazy and that the fall, when the fall hits, is like chaos? All right. Okay. All right. One more. Now, what about the rest of you? You're just even keel. It doesn't matter. All right. Let's try that again. All right. Because there's just, those are the two options I'm going with. There's probably others. But as fall starts, as school's starting back, how many would say you get back to normal? All right. Okay. All right. There's a few more. And then how many would say, no, uh, that's when the chaos begins? All right. Okay. All right. Did you switch your answer? Okay. All right. Okay. All right. I was uh, thinking, man. Well, for a lot of us, it's uh, when we come back to the fall and, uh, you know, September, Labor Day is tomorrow. And uh, in, how many get the day off tomorrow? I hope most of you do. And uh, if you don't, take another day off this week and tell them the pastor said to do it. Okay. And uh, if, you're, if you work retail, you're, there's no winning. Clayton, do you have to work tomorrow? You don't. All right, well, he's in retail, but uh, well, that's cool. Well, that beacons is closed. Well, you know, a lot of times sports are kicked up and clubs and lessons, and sometimes business it just changes, and it's a different season. Uh, I know, Tony, we were talking about uh, business taxes. This is the season for that, and you've been busy there, and uh, work and school and all these things. And my heart, as I knew we'd come into the season, my heart was that we'd be able to address a, a topic a subject that affects us all. I don't care who you are. If you're the youngest in the room this morning to the oldest, and we're not going to pick who that might be um, this morning, but this, what we're going to talk about for these next few weeks really makes a difference in our lives. And this subject that we're going to talk about really encourages us to connect with God specifically and to grow with God. It deals with our lives, the way we live, the way we act, the way we talk, the way we... Uh, move, the, way, the places we go, the things we see with our eyes, and even the things that we hear. And the subject for the next few weeks that we want to talk about is worship. And you probably could have guessed that by these really cool signs that Melinda helped me with. All right, Melinda, they turned out pretty good, eh? Yeah, thank you for doing those, all right? And today, um, today I, I want to uh, provide somewhat of an introduction to, to a series and talk today about the who what, where, when, and why, kind of going back to English, uh, English class for a moment and look at what worship is. And then we're also, as we look over the next few weeks, we want to talk about worship as a lifestyle and what that means and worship as sacrifice and worship that is extravagant. And then finally, we'll wrap up our series looking at worship and the power of praise. And uh, my heart is that we would grow in worship together, that we would be uh, growing towards the Lord and that God would put his hand upon us as a body of believers and that we'd see some really, really awesome things as we learn a little bit about worship and, uh, and are challenged in that. I want to talk to you a little bit about my background because a lot of times when you think about worship, you think about singing or music, right? And, uh, and we'll find out through these next few weeks that that's not what worship is completely. But uh, when I look back at my family growing up, in our house, we were constantly singing, 
constantly whistling, constantly doing these things. We loved music. And we had a kind of a high standard of music, um, not that it was like a good quality of music, but uh, at our house, we were not allowed to listen to anything other than Christian music, all right? And so that was kind of what we grew up with. And my parents, they sang on the worship team, and I, you can imagine, where's Maggie? I think she might be helping out with the kids in the back, but, um, uh, you know, we were around music all the time. My parents, back in the day, in, their, in the 80s, uh, it was a big time to do a lot of solos and ensembles, and my parents were always up front and doing these things, practicing. And part of it, uh, for me, is I would sit during practices or sit at home and listen to my dad practicing to sing. I wanted to be like my dad. I wanted to sing. I wanted to sing a solo so bad uh, at, at, at different points when I was uh, in elementary school that I would practice and I would sing at the top of my lungs, and I, I'm sure that it was a joy. I looked this week, I looked this week on, on YouTube looking for a, a song that my sister and I used to sing, um, Do Lord, Oh Do Lord, Oh Do Remember Me. All right, does anyone remember that? Just give me a little nod, all right? Okay, you guys remember that. And uh, my sister and I, we thought for sure, if we practiced enough, that at some point we'd be able to sing that at church. Well, we would sing it, uh, you know, wherever we were. We'd be sitting in the back of our dad's pickup truck, and, and uh, he allowed us to do that. Now, I've found out since that that's illegal, and my wife will not let our kids do that, even in the neighborhood going to the pool. But that's okay. That's a different subject for another time. Did I tell you how much I appreciate my wife this morning? But, uh, but we, we would sing, and we would sing at the top of our lungs, do Lord, oh, do Lord, oh, do, and we'd go through all the different verses, and man, we'd sing that. I can't imagine what people would, would have thought, <laughs> what we looked like, but we didn't care. If we saw a family doing that now, we'd probably think they were off their rocker, and we might have been right on the edge there. But my sister and I, we did that. My older sister played the violin, and she could sing, and she had a great voice. And later on, I learned to play the guitar. And when I learned to play the guitar, it was uh, worship-type music, church music that I learned. The, the four chords uh, turned into six, into eight. And, uh, and we used to do these things in high school where a group of students, independent of, of, it wasn't like an official event, but we would call it the upper room. And we would meet at different people's homes. And this one kid had this really cool garage that he lived in the garage uh, at his grandparents' house. He'd been kicked out or something. I don't, I'm not really sure what happened. But he lived in his garage. It was heated and actually had a toilet. And uh, so it was like a house, but it was an attachment. But we'd sing, and we'd, like, pass the guitar, and we'd sing worship songs. And, uh, and it was just a lot of fun. And so that's kind of how I grew up. Then I was called into ministry in that time frame and uh, went through school. And we found ourselves, Jessica and I did, at Dayton, Ohio, at Bethel Christian Assembly of God, and we were there as children's pastors. Now, with all this history of wanting to do solos and wanting to sing and learning to play the guitar and all these things, and then I found um, myself on staff with a guy, and some of you know him, Jeff Grinnell. And uh, he was actually the one that started this church, the Gateway Church, uh, back in 2001, or when they revitalized it and reopened it under the Gateway Church. Now, Jeff Grinnell if anybody has ever met him, you know that he is a worshiper and, uh, and just loves worship. And, and I would, sat with him for three years, and I saw what he did with students in, in high school and in junior high. 
tailoring their gifts and challenging them and stretching them. And God spoke to my heart and Jessica that, man, what he's doing with the, with the students in uh, junior high and high school, man, we need to back that up. And these kids need to learn even younger. And we did. And we, it was painful, wasn't it, Jessica? And uh, we would work with these kids, uh, elementary students. And uh, we had this kid, Brandon Buttrey. Um, man, he would play the drums. And, uh, and he, he kept a pretty good beat, but it was so loud. He had one, I mean, it was loud or it was nothing. And then we had another drummer that, that was softer, but he was like, you know, it was like fast and slow and it was painful, but it was so cool how God really tailored in what our children's ministry kind of was known for um, as we look back is, was for worship. And with our kids, and our kids were growing in that. And we ended up having about three different groups of kids that came through. And these students have performed and played and worshipped um, all over the United States, some of them. And, uh, and it's really cool. And they're all graduating from high school now, and uh, it makes us feel old. But anyway, we were passionate about worship. And I've been passionate about worship since I was a little kid, loving to sing but over time, as I've grown in my worship, in understanding worship, I've learned that worship is more than just singing. Worship is more than an emotional high, and there certainly can be that element. Um, you can do things with, with worship music. That can, you can take it high, you can take it low, and it, can be, it really moves us. Doesn't music uh, have the potential to do that? And I've learned that worship as well is, is more than just a part of a Sunday morning service or a Wednesday night service, or whatever. It's more than that. And I found out in this last couple weeks as I've studied and preparing for this series that I'm still growing, learning what biblical worship is. And I'm challenged by what God expects from us and what God really deserves from us. And so I'm excited about that. But I want to talk to you about, you may say, well, why worship? Why now? Why, why at this season? And I realize that some of us have grown up in the church and you've been a part of worship and some of you even play and, and participate. But I believe that as we grow in knowledge and what God's word says about worship and praise, I believe that there will be great benefit. For others of us, uh, it's, we need a, a reminder and encouragement to grow in these things, to not just let them sit on the side. We're also going to look at tools along the way, tools that will help us to become all that God wants us to be. And the reality is, is that when we, we, uh, when we, if, if we don't worship God, uh, we're going to worship something. And so we want to have some tools that will help us to, uh, to be remembered or to remember focusing on God. And the reality is that our world the, that we're living in is fast-paced, isn't it? I don't care who you are, where you've been, the world is fast-paced, and, and we like it. It's like we're li living life in fast-forward, and it's hard to slow down sometimes. Maybe it's because of our generation, maybe because of technology. We can do more, and so there's more expectation, but time seems to just be flying by. In fact, at our home, sometimes when we don't have anything to do, we kind of like look at each other, and we're like, we got to do something, or at least that's, that's kind of my, my uh, attitude. Because our, we're so used to going, going, going. And so we want to slow down over these next few weeks and realize that there's lots of distractions in life, lots of noise, things that would keep us from worshiping. 
And, uh, and we want to talk about worship. Now, I realize that some here, you may be at a point in your life where worship is strong, and, there, and uh, this will be just a good reminder. But I, as I've been praying and just asking God for revelation, I believe that there are some here that are kind of at a place where there's, they become apathetic to worship, where there's just, you know, okay, it's something we do, maybe it's tradition, but it's become meaningless. And my heart is that, that we will, we will uh, challenge your thoughts on that. You say, well, why would that be? Why would some people become, uh, you know, apathetic? Or why would they become in a, in a state where they, they don't really experience all that God has for them? Well, there's different trends in worship. And I've, I've noticed that sometimes uh, people think, well, the longer, the better, or the louder, the better. And sometimes that can be a, tr- a turnoff. Other times, worship can become a concert, and, and the musicians, it, it can be all showy. And it's like, mm, not interested in that. Sometimes it can become over-spiritual, right? And you try to force something that it's not, and, and that can be a turnoff. But then, man, the opposite of that, the other extreme is that it becomes so dry that it's like, oh, you know, ice pick, and you know, you're like gouging out your eyes and saying, man, what, when does this service end? And I hope that's not the case too often. But there's these extremes, and a lot of times and when we talk about worship, there's some hypocrisy. Just because someone is on stage, and I'm not saying this about anyone here, they can, they can lead well, but sometimes we see their life the rest of the week, and boy, it's like, okay, what is reality? What is, what is the deal here? And sometimes all this stuff can affect the way we worship, the way you worship personally. But I want to boil it down to the fact that you put all these things aside and God, he desires and he deserves our worship. He wants us to grow in this area. And he's talked a lot about in his word about worship. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the benefits of praise and worship. We're going to look at the different challenges that are associated, the obstacles that that will stand in our way or pitfalls We'll talk about a different variety of ways to worship. And like Dave Biller says, he says, if we're not going to have fun, I don't want to do it. And so hopefully we'll have some enjoyment uh, in the process as we talk about praise and worship. And so this morning, uh, we're, my heart, I want you to know, is that we would have an open mind, an open heart, and that we wouldn't tune out over these next few weeks. Instead, that I pray that we would be able to, to turn up the heat a little bit and there would be a hunger and a thirst for all that God has for us, and that it would be contagious. And, uh, and, I, and for those of you that, that are on our mailing list, we sent a letter home this week and, and encouraging you to be a part, and I uh, appreciate you being here this morning. And next week, as life is uh, back to normal or back to chaos, either way, um, we're, we're just praying that God is going to meet us uh, each week as we uh, continue to talk about this. Well, let's do this. Let's uh, start in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. For those of you that have been around for a while here at the Gateway Church, we often um, start here, and I think it's a great place to start when we talk about worship. Jesus is asked, uh, what is the greatest commandment? There's some Pharisees that are trying to trick Jesus, and, uh, and there's a lot of debate about all the different laws and all the different 
uh, things. And Jesus' reply on the first sentence there in uh, Matthew 22, 37, is really uh, just kind of an umbrella for as we talk about worship. When Jesus replied to the question, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. To love. Love with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Dear Jesus, I pray that, Lord, as we are listening to your spirit, as we are trying to be about your business, as we are desiring to grow, I pray that you would meet us and that you would help us in these next few weeks. God, I pray that as we talk today about the who, what, where, why, and when of worship, I pray that there will be revelation knowledge, that you would challenge us, that we would not tune out, but God, that we would instead take a step forward wanting all that you have for us. God, I pray that you'd be with us today for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this morning, we want to talk about the who, what, where, why, how, and when of worship. And we want to talk about this who. Who should we worship? And this is not a trick question. Let's just answer all together. Who should we worship? God, right. That's, that's right. You got an A today. We, t- we worship God because he's the creator of all things. We remember God, we honor God because of who he is. And because he created us, he is worthy of our worship. Now, I want you to imagine uh, back with me back in the early 1900s when Henry Ford was just on the scene making the cars, the the Model T, and making them accessible to the average family. And uh, how many can remember, just think back, who was the first person to drive the Model T or the Model A? No one remembers. But who was the one that ha- who created the idea? We remember that person, right, in Henry Ford. And we know that, that we remember him because he created that system. And, he, and he's still an icon. Boy, I grew up in Detroit and everything was Henry Ford this and Ford Museum and this and that. And my dad, he worked for Ford Motor Company, and, and uh, that's why I drive a Ford truck. And, uh, but that's but because he, was, he created that system, we remember him. And because God created everything, we need to remember him. We need to remember in worship. Now, who should worship? We talked about who we worship. Who should worship? Well, Psalm 150, verse 6 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I want you to take one big breath with me and then hold it. All right, here we go. One, two, three. The very fact that we're all going to need to breathe at some point this morning means that we need to praise the Lord and to worship him. In fact, all creation is commanded to worship Jesus. Psalm, 40, uh, Psalm 148, I want you to turn there with me. I'll read this chapter. It's one of my favorite chapters when it talks about worship and who should worship. It says, praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. This is Psalm 148. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them place. Uh, set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. Verse 7, praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all you hills, fruit trees and cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds. You get the point here. Kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on the earth, young men and maidens, old men and children. Verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his saints of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. We see there that not only do angels worship God, the entire universe, everything created is worshiping. All those on the earth, world leaders are worshiping. And then it says all people, young people, old people, children. And I just, as a side note, I'm wondering, you know, whose praise is the greatest? Is it the children or is it the, uh, those that are older or is it the angels in heaven? And my guess is that it depends on the person's spirit. It depends on their heart and how much they worship. You do not have to grow up first to grow up in spirit. And I just want to challenge you. Are you ready to grow wherever you are? You may be a new believer and just growing in your faith just at the very beginning. And I'm saying, man, there's so much to grow in. You may have been a Christian all your life and really never fallen away and you've served God. And I want to challenge you as well. Are you ready to grow? Because I believe God wants us to grow. When we think about who we should worship and who should worship, we worship God and we are the ones that were created. And we have a responsibility to do just that. Well, let's look about at what worship is. We talked about the who, now let's look at the what. Worship can be a noun and a verb. Think about it. It can be a person, place, or thing. It can be a thing. Worship can be. But it's also an action, a verb. When we look at it defined, it deals with the worthiness or the worthship of something. In the Old Testament, worship, the Hebrew word there is shakah, most often used with worship. And it means to lower one's body or to stretch out one's hand to the ground as a means to pay honor. It means to bow or to show reverence. And we worship something when we pay it great respect. We see that in the Old Testament. Now, when the New Testament came around, it was in a different language in the Greek. The Greek word most used, and I'm not as skilled in Greek, it, but it's uh, P-R-O-S-K-U-N-E-O. Does any Greek scholars want to take a... A uh, shot at that? Nope. Okay, neither do I. Proskunio. And it means to kiss, like a dog would lick a master's hand. To bow down, to crouch close to. 
to, to lie down flat before something to show reverence, respect, or adoration. Now, what I want you to see here is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's a contrast here that actually describes the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant. In the Old Testament, our relationship with God was more at a distance. It was through festivals or through different ways to pay honor. It was in a certain place. And boy, once Jesus, he sacrificed his body on the cross and he uh, rose from the grave, we know that the veil was ripped in two and now there's a closeness that God allows for us to experience. And so at the Old Testament, we worshiped, we see worship more at a distance. In the New Testament, more of a close contact, more approachable. And, uh, and boy, that's, that's exciting for us. Webster defines worship as paying honor to God. It's a feeling of respect, or a reverence for power, position, or merit, dignity, and worth. I've heard worship described, and maybe you have, as a romance with God. Have you ever heard that before, something like that? Or I've heard of worship as practicing the presence of God. Being in God's presence is worship. And I believe that when we look at this and look at what worship is, that we need to worship. Just as much as we need to eat, just as much as we need to breathe, just as much as we need our sleep, we need to learn to worship. And if we don't worship God, the fact is, and we'll look at this over the next few weeks, is that we will worship something. And God wants us. He deserves it. And he, he actually even de- uh, commands it. It's important for us to realize, though, that it is only in our ability, the only way we're able to worship God is after we've had a relationship, established a relationship with God, with his Son. And once we have accepted Jesus as our Savior, which I believe many of us have, and if you haven't, there will be an opportunity in just a few moments to do that. But once we do, then we're able to know him, to love him, to give God all the attention he needs, to thank him, to serve him, and and that is what worship is all about. So we've talked about the who, and we've talked about the what is worship. But where do we worship? Again, in the Old Testament, it was always connected with a place, maybe a location, a temple, or a tent. Sometimes they would build an altar, and that was the place where there was worship, where that happened. The tabernacle even had different um, levels of worship. There was the outer courts, and then the uh, inner courts, and then there was the Holy of Holies that was only approached one time a year. And uh, you might know the, the priests, they would tie a rope around their their leg, and they would enter in the Holy of Holies, and if they had any sin in their life at that moment, God would strike them dead, and that's why they put the rope so they could pull them back out, and it was something very serious, and very, and and often it was connected with a place. Well, in the New Testament, like I mentioned, the veil was ripped in two, and uh, it provides a, a way for us to intimately know God And because of that, the where and the when becomes not just a a a once-a-week type of thing or a a once-a-year. We can daily know God and worship Him. We have direct access to Him, hour by hour, minute by minute. And individually, as you are going along in your life, your life can represent a life of worship. And it starts in our hearts, in our attitude. 
And where is our heart with the Lord? Where are we in this? When we go from the where to the when, we talk about when do we worship? Well, there's a lot of verses in Psalms about that. Psalm 34.1 says, I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my lips. Psalm 71.8 says, I am always praising you. All day long I will honor you. Psalm 113.3, I love this. It says, the name, the Lord's name should be praised from where the sun rises to where it sets. And in Psalm 45.2, I will praise you every day. Boy, I love this. When should we praise? At all times. As I was studying this, I was reminded of a great clip in the movie Facing the Giants. If you've seen the movie, there's, there's a coach that is just frustrated, and he can't seem to get his students to, to be committed, to, to work hard. And he gets down to a point where he says, you know, it's not about football. And he's sitting down at a, at a meeting with his students uh, and with his players, and he's saying, you know, what, you know, what are the, the last, you know, 10 years ago, who won the championship? No one could answer. Five years, no one could answer. He's saying, what's the point? What's the big deal? Why are we here? And he gets to the point in his speech to his students, to his players, and he says, well, let's, let's go there and let's see how he redefines what they're playing all about. So I'm here to present you a new team philosophy. I think that football is just one of the tools we use to honor God. So you think God does care about football? I think he cares about your faith. He cares about where your heart is. And if you can live your faith out on the football field, then yes, God cares about football because he cares about you. He sent his son Jesus to die for us so we could live for him. That's why we're here. But see, it's not just on the football field. We've got to honor him in our relationships, in our respect for authority, in the classroom, and when you're at home alone surfing the internet. I want God to bless this team so much people talk about what he did. But it means we've got to give him our best in every area. And if we win, we praise him. And if we lose, we praise him. Either way, we honor him with our actions and our attitudes. So I'm asking you, what are you living for? I've resolved to give God everything I've got. Then I'll leave the results up to Him. I want to know if you'll join me. And I want to know if you're going to join me in these next few weeks searching out what worship is. When do we praise God? We praise God. He said, if we lose, we'll praise Him. If we win, we'll praise Him. For us, when things are good, we praise Him. But when it's bad or ugly, we can praise him as well. When we're thankful, when we're sad, when we're glad, when we're awake, when we're asleep, when we're tired, when we're busy, when we have nothing going on, it doesn't matter. We need to be praising and worshiping God. And you know, sometimes, if we're honest, there are times we just don't feel like worshiping. We don't feel like praising. But it's in those moments that when we when we take those steps, that God meets us. This morning, there were a couple ladies in the hallway, and I won't say who, 
they were talking and just, you know, saying, man, life is tough. And, uh, and I got uh, overheard it just a little bit. And, you know, the reality is that life is hard sometimes. But, you know, in those moments when we determine to say, God, I'm going to praise you in the good, I'm going to praise you in the bad, I'm going to praise you no matter what, I believe God answers in those times. We've talked about the who, the what, the where, the when. Now we'll come back to the why. And the, the answer of the why do we worship comes back to who God is. The worship, meaning worth-ship, or the worthiness. See, God is worthy and deserves our worship. Turn with me to Psalm 145. 145, if you're still at 148 there, you can just flip back. Verse 3 says, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. God is so good. And God is our loving Father, and He deserves our worship. If you skip down to verse 8 uh, there, it says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. His compa- or he has compassion on all He has made. All you have made, will praise. we will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. God expects us, commands us. He deserves and, and he desires for us to worship him. Why? Because of who he is. Because of his greatness. Because of the splendor of, of who he is. So what does your worship look like? What does your life really look like? What's your attitude when you come into a situation like a Sunday morning? Where is your heart in the matter when it comes to worship? What habits have you established in your life? What kind of time or what kind of quality do you give to things of God? There's a song on the radio that says, I don't want to go through the motions. And, uh, and, that's, and as I was preparing, I was, I was thinking about that song. And, and my heart is that we would not just go through the motions. That we would not just show up on a Sunday morning and sing and, and maybe close our eyes, maybe even lift a hand, but not experience all that God has. And then not only that Sunday morning, but I don't want to go through the motions through my week. The things that I face, could we live a lifestyle like we'll talk about next week in worship? Are you going through the motions? I can just imagine some of our, our hearts is when it comes to worship that it's kind of dusted over. Uh, Logan, my son, and I, we went camping this summer up at Ludington, and it was so cool. We had we'd chopped down some trees and some dead wood, and we made a fire the one night, and we were doing marshmallows and but the next morning, it looked like the fire had gone out, and it was just dusty, dusted over. And I said, hey, Logan, watch this. I think it was the first time I've ever had to do that with him. I took the, uh, some other kindling, and I kind of stirred up the dust, and underneath there was some warmth. We were able to get some of those coals to the top, and uh, we were able to put a few little uh, twigs, and before you know it, we got some smoke going, and the fire kicked back in. And I'm wondering, maybe your life is kind of covered over and we just need to dig a little and stir some things up when it comes to worship. Because deep underneath that exterior, God is still hot and he's wanting for you to be stirred up, to 
throw some kindling on there. And maybe you're, you'd say, man, I need some kindling to put on my fire for God, for what God wants. And this morning, I'm going to challenge you to do just that. Because what God wants is for his heart and our hearts to be a consuming fire growing in him. What would hold you back from experiencing all that God has for you? What is it in your life that's kind of a wall or a, or a, a stumbling block, a pitfall? There's a guy, his name is James Gill. He wrote a book. He's a doctor, actually a psychologist. He wrote a book about the dynamics of worship. And he listed like 12 different things. And I'm going to just kind of read these things off. These are obstacles or pitfalls that may be evident in our lives that would keep us from worshiping God. He said maybe it's pride, the pride of life, maybe a selfishness there. Maybe it's a lack of knowledge, not knowing to worship or how to worship uh, uh, those types of things. He says sometimes it's an independence, saying, you know, I've got this handled. I can do this on my own. I'm okay by myself. Sometimes it's a laziness, just not willing to put the effort forward. He says sometimes it's a critical spirit. A critical spirit will keep us from worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Sometimes it's impatience, just not learning to wait on the Lord. And we talked about the extremes, right? The uh, red-hot over-spiritual or the dryness. He says sometimes there's a legalism that comes with, with worship that would keep us from experiencing. And then the other side is the emotionalism, that it's all worked up, and, I'm, and, and maybe that would keep us from worshiping couple more, elitism, traditions. What about this? He says unforgiveness will keep us from truly experiencing what God has for us. I thought that was interesting. We're going to unfold some of these in the next couple weeks. And then the last thing is a worldly influence. And I thought, man, that is so true. The more we are like the world, the harder it is to worship. And the world is coming at us full speed. All kinds of things go in our mind, in our eyes. We hear things, we see things, we read things. And if the world has taken place of the godliness in our life, it's going to be hard to worship God. Now what's scary is that, that you can be bombarded with the world and be affected by some of these things. And the people around you may not even realize what's happening. They may say, oh, look at so-and-so. Look at here, and, you know, boy, they're a worshiper. Boy, they're, boy, they've got a great relationship with the Lord. And it can look good on the outside. You can fake it. But on the inside, you could be dying. And what's interesting is that as a body of believers, that we could look good on the outside. And we could hype things up and we could have the, the right song and the right time and the emotions can take over and we as a body of believers can fake it. Together we can let these obstacles get in the way and no one may even realize that that's even happening. Now this morning I look at our, our worship set here and uh, I think everything that it was played with the exception of the tambourine here is plugged in. And let's say we showed up to church one Sunday morning and the power went out. Would we be able to worship God? I hope we would. 
it, we would be noticeable, right? It, it would be different. You know, we'd have the acoustic guitar. I don't think your bass would work, uh, Mike. The, we, don't even have our, we don't even have a keyboard, and so it'd be the guitar, and so that's probably it, and our voices. And it would be noticeable. But if, man, if we unplugged the spiritual cord and there was no spiritual power, we could go on for a while without anyone even noticing the difference. And that's scary. My heart is, is that we would examine our own hearts and say, man, God, what do you have for, for me? What do you have for us as a body? That each of us, our heart, in our, uh, that each of us would whet our appetites as our families. And we would say, man, I want my family to be a worshiping family, to be sold out, to be loving God more today than we did yesterday, to whet the appetite of our families, to grow in our worship. Every individual hungering and thirsting for more of God. More of God. Because, you know, no matter, like I said at the beginning, no matter where we are in our walk with the Lord, we can grow. We can learn more. There's more revelation. And God desires that in each of us. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning as we talk about this growing in our connection with God, I realize that we're all on a different journey. And for us to worship God, it starts with a relationship with Him. And this morning, I wonder if there's anyone here this morning that would say, Pastor Ben, I need to renew my relationship with the Lord. There are things in my life that are keeping me from serving God completely. That would be a renewal of our relationship with the Lord. At the same time, there may be someone here this morning that has never given their heart to Jesus. And you found yourself here at the Gateway Church, and I just want to say today is your day. If you do not know Jesus, don't live another moment without him. How many would respond to either of those things that you've never given your heart to the Lord? Or you would say, man, I need to renew that relationship and stir it up again in my spirit. Yeah, thanks. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just slip up your hand right where you are. Okay, thanks for your honesty. Sure. Hallelujah. Who else this morning would say, man, that's me. If I was honest before God, I need to get my heart right with God. All right. There were two ladies that raised their hand, and for their sake, I want to just encourage us all. And you can open up your eyes and and uh, I just want to encourage each and every one of us that at the moment we call out on the name of Jesus, he is quick to save, he's quick to forgive. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've seen. And that goes for the, the students, for the young adults, for each of the couples, each of the families, each of the individuals here today. God is there 
to meet us right where we are. And I think that it's so healthy to raise your hand like a couple of you did, saying, man, that's me. I need to know for sure. As we move forward in the next couple weeks, we're going to have some times of extended worship. Today, we're not going to do that um, at the end of our service here. But I do want us to commit as a body of believers to start to be aware of some of the distractions that are so prevalent that you would walk this week and that you would notice and start to notice, my prayer, things that would keep you from worshiping God. Things at home, in your house, that would keep you from worshiping God. Things at school um, that would that would compromise or that there would be things there. Things uh, that you listen to, maybe on your iPod or on the radio. Things. I want you just to be aware of the distractions that are very, very prevalent that will keep us from loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I pray that, that it will just annoy you to all get out and just say, because as, if we are in tune, I believe there's going to be things that are going to come to the surface in all of our lives that are going to be distractions that will keep us from truly worshiping um, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There may be relationships that you will identify this week saying, you know, if, when I'm with this person or when I'm hanging out with this group or that group, or when I in business with this person, it distracts me from who I am as a believer. And I'm just praying that God is going to just reveal to each of us. And we'll come back next week more ready to worship God. It'll literally just be a, an energy of coming together and uh, looking forward to that. And so I want to just pray a quick prayer over each and every one of us. I'm going to ask that you would stand. And uh, this is how we're going to close. I'm going to pray a, a closing prayer, and then we're going to just uh, release you to this weekend uh, to enjoy your family and your friends, uh, to hang out. And, uh, and then as we will move forward, even this afternoon, that, there, that our, our antennas will be tuned in and that we will be able to identify some of these distractions in our lives as we continue to unveil what worship means to each of us. Amen? Amen. If you want prayer, specific prayer, after we say amen, to, uh, for anointing oil, um, uh, if someone's sick, we, we would be happy to hang around and do that um, as well. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today just grateful for all that you do. Lord, you are an awesome God. You are worthy of all our praise, of all of our worship. You are the creator God, and Lord, we honor you this morning with our lives and with our lips and with our actions. God, I pray for each one here. Lord, I pray for the two ladies that raised their hands wanting to renew that relationship, to, to, to come to take a step towards you again. God, I pray that you would meet them right where they are. Lord, your word says that you will do just that. And God, I pray for each, every, each and every man, each and every woman here today that our antennas would be tuned in to you. And God, that we would start to notice distractions in our lives 
things that would be pitfalls or obstacles that would keep us from loving you with everything within us. And God, I pray that as we identify those, that you'll give us the courage to do something about it. And Lord, I just pray that you would continue to add to each one of us your favor on our lives. And Lord, we'll give you the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go in the grace of God. May God go before you, behind you, and all around you.